Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, joined by my wife, Laura, and this week we are airing one of the top five programs of the year. That's right, we've got a resource coming out for the end of the year. It's the top five. We've got top five programs in marriage, parenting, crisis, and wellness, and this week is one of the top five. It is so good we had to include it in the resources. If you can only listen to five programs on parenting, this is one of them. It's about a book called She Calls Me Daddy, written by a great friend of ours, Dr. Robert Wolgamuth. I've known Robert for 37 years. We met when I was 10 years old. He was the very first marketer on my dad's first film series in 1978. In fact, we've known him for longer than... 30 years. My goodness, I've known him for so long. That's amazing. This book is fantastic. If you've got a daughter, dads, you've got to read this book. It is fantastic and you are going to love it. Wives, buy for your husbands. Husbands, don't be offended. Don't be afraid. This will be a great resource. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Are you listening to the live videos? We've got live videos Monday, Wednesday, Friday, facebook.com slash Dobson and youtube.com slash Dobson, Instagram at Dobson. We are having so much fun on the live videos. We've got a November challenge starting this week, and this broadcast is our one year anniversary broadcast. It is so exciting to share with you Dr. Robert Wolgamuth talking about his daughters and raising daughters on our one year anniversary. So much has happened. And if you want to know more, you can sign up for our newsletter by going to rebelparenting.org. We'll tell you all the exciting things that have been going on and all the things that are going to happen for the future. But today, let's listen to Dr. Robert Wolgamuth talking about his book, She Calls Me Daddy, on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Robert, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you on the broadcast, and it is such an honor to have you here. Thank you for coming on the program today. Oh, this is my pleasure, Ryan. After all these years, I never get tired of talking to you on the phone, but or in me, person. Me either. Me either. I'll tell me you what. Um, I have known you since I was 10 years old. I'm 47, so we have a 37-year history together. I know your kids. I yep. know your wife. I know Bobby, who passed away. I have followed you for 37 years. And here's what I can tell my listeners. You're the real deal. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Robert, you are the real deal. I was thinking about, you know, H.B. London, my dad's cousin. And I was thinking about him the other day. And I thought, you know what? You were the pastor of a megachurch. And I watched your family intimately. And there are no Mm -hmm. scandals. There are no scandals. Oh. It's such a rare thing. Yeah. And I've known you for all my life. And your kids are grown. You've got five grandkids. You've got a great relationship with Missy and Julie. And you are a great person to bring on the broadcast. I looked in the beginning of your book. Oh. This made me so happy. Because we had Lincoln and I was fine. Boys, no problem. Right? Boys. No, for a man, yeah. for a dad. Oh, yeah. Easy. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I can list a hundred things I think Lincoln will find useful in life that will be helpful for him. That Because it's my experience. I'm a dad. I was a boy. I have a boy. And 
We had lots of trouble getting preg- well we had lots of trouble having babies in between Lincoln and Lucy and we tried to adopt and I always put down just boys. Just boys. I I don't know if I can do girls, just boys. I'm scared of girls. I'm terrified of girls. And my philosophy is a little uh, it's probably a little off color. My thing with boys, if you have boys, you only have to worry about one boy. If you have girls, you have to worry about all the boys. That, that's good. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, as Lucy gets older, that's going to get worse, I it, promise. It is. <laughs> and I tell you what, Robert, I've been planning this program for a while. We coach couples. We are not counselors. I don't have a PhD. I don't have a doctorate. Uh, when we coach couples, we get them with professional counselors. But we had a call, oh, it was a year or two ago, from a couple we know pretty well, and they found out their 16-year-old daughter was having sex. And I just thought, oh, no. Like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, I had all these theories, and I was kind of venting to Laura, and we were talking, and she goes, you know, I said, I don't even know what to say to these guys. Like, what do we even say? And she goes, you better figure it out, because what happens if it's your daughter? And I was like, but it's not going to be my daughter. There's no way. I'll never, every dad in history, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. That's right, of course. And then it does. Of course. And I thought, I'm not a perfect parent. My kids aren't perfect. Nobody is perfect. This absolutely can happen in my household. And I don't want to drive my daughter away. I don't want to send Lucy packing figuratively, emotionally, spiritually, literally, I want her to know that no matter what happens, I'm her daddy, but I know it'll break my heart. And so, Robert, I want to talk to you. You've got a great opening. It says, you help fathers conquer anxieties of having a little girl by building seven foundational elements. We can't hit them all, but you talk about the art of conversation, expressing affection, disciplining appropriately, creating laughter, instilling strong faith in God, and demonstrating proper conduct there are dads out there that are like i got a girl i'm terrified i don't want to go to jail for punching a little boy i don't want to shoot a kid Uh, you know what do i do how do i build there's two parts of this program robert how do we build the best relationship possible and then because everybody falls short of the glory of god when our kids disappoint us or god in any way how do we rush to build the relationship and not tear it down. What do we do? Well, no pressure in, in the book. And thank you. Thank you for your kind words. <laughs> I wrote, um, she calls me daddy in 1996. That was 20 years ago. Man. And, um, and now I have a granddaughter who's married. So, I mean, here what? we go. This is amazing. But, oh my but when, and, and, you are way too young dads, and too good looking to have a granddaughter that's married, right. Robert. That's ridiculous. <laughs> not too young and not too good looking, I promise. The, the the point of the book, and you just quickly ran through the the uh, chapter titles. Where is conduct on that list? Where is it? It's not there. No, it's, it is. It is. Look again. Oh, chapter nine. Demonstrating proper conduct. There you go. Now, here's the deal. If you start off talking about do this, don't do that, mm. do this, don't do that, you're going to lose on it. In, in my experience, and you know, experience means I've made lots of mistakes and I've learned from them. Hopefully. Sure. It doesn't sure. mean I'm smart. But if you focus on conduct rather than conduct being the byproduct of something else, you're going to lose. 
so um, the, the chapters that you described, laughter, discipline, conversation, protection, all those things, affection. If you do those, if a dad does those things, then the last thing he needs to talk about is conduct. In other words, good conduct is the byproduct of doing those other things. Mm. It's, it's, it's what happens when you do conversation right. So, for example, we talk about this in the book. If your daughter is, uh, let's say, four or three, and it's a Saturday morning, and you have some errands to run, you're going to run to Lowe's or Home Depot, you're, you're headed out, don't go alone. Take your little girl with, with you. And so she's sitting in her car seat, maybe in the back, probably in the back, and you're talking. You're saying, all right, honey, I know you can barely look out the window, but let's see, let's see how many, and whatever, water towers, cows, trucks, let's count them as we go. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, you're making fun of this time. You're making it a fun time. And what you're doing, Ryan, is you're beginning to build a bridge. And your ability to communicate with your daughter and her trust in you as you talk with her mm-hmm when she's three or four, when you sympathize with her, when she bumps her head because she falls off her bike Mm. because she was riding it backwards. You don't, you don't say, honey, you don't ride your bike backwards. You hold her and you let her cry. And you, you build those bridges when she's really small. And then talk about that more though. You got to talk about that more in our society. And I'm telling you as a control freak parent, like I am, what you want is to go, you could have avoided this. Here's what you should have done. You know, it's talk about why, especially with daughters, it's hug first, correct later. It's, yeah, un- well, you know what I mean? Here's the deal. Here and I, yeah, of course, you and I are stinking fixers. Yep. We fix broken things, we straighten crooked things. And so when we see something that we think could be fixed or straightened, we step in and do it. And in, in, in some situations with your daughter, you need to be the, the dad. You need to correct. You need to discipline. And I talk about that in great detail. But when, when your daughter is suffering because of a mistake she made, and you know she bumps her head when she's three, or she gets pregnant when she's 17, mm. your job isn't to fix it. It's too late. In that case, it is. Yep. So what do you do? What mm. do you do? Well, you have an opportunity to, to create a wall that separates you that will never be that that will never be fixed, or to bind yourselves together. Now, you you need grace, and your daughter needs grace. You're a sinful man. I'm listening. I'm I'm, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking yeah. to every one of your listeners. Yeah, yeah. We are hopeless sinners. Mm-hmm. Apart from God's grace, we're toasted. Mm-hmm. And so. My daughter needs to see that because I'm transparent about my own sin, when she comes to me because she's sinned, because she's either made a mistake, bumped her head, or she's let a boy take advantage of her, my first job is to issue grace to her because I am the recipient of God's grace. Does she deserve it? Probably not. Do I deserve it? Never. So that's, you know, I I have the opportunity as a daddy to be the, the giver of grace 
the transmitter of God's grace mm-hmm. that comes to me, undeserving as I am, yeah. to her. And what I want is that bridge, Ryan, that bridge of communication to never be severed, to never be blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, because once I do that, once we stop talking, once we say, okay, that's it, no more, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're gone. It's over. There's, there's no way that that will ever be repaired unless I come back to my daughter and say, I want you to listen to me. I was wrong. I need your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? I had no business talking to you like that. Mm-hmm. And there's some dads who I think, honestly, believe that their role as dad never means they should stoop to that kind of contrition. What I would say is a dad can prove that he's the dad who deserves his daughter's respect if, in fact, he is transparent and confesses his sin to Amen. her. Amen. Mm-hmm. And I think we really do mess up the faith relationship because we're, you know, if we think about our relationship with Christ, it says, I stand at the door and knock. It doesn't say I stood at your door and then you ignored me for a while and I saw you in your house and you were <laughs> sinning like crazy. And so I left that door yeah. and you're on your yeah. own. Right. It says, I'm standing right. here today, right now. Come on, open it. I'll yeah. come inside. And exactly. you're saying with your kids, yeah. we got to treat them like, listen, of course it was your fault. Of course you didn't do the right thing. But that doesn't change who I am for you or for who you are to me. We're, we love yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's a really magical, here's a, that's a great biblical word, isn't it? Here's a magical concept. Yeah. The scripture admonishes dads to bring their children to the Lord. It doesn't say send your children to the Lord. When you bring somebody, what does that mean? That means you go as well. So my daughter and I are facing life side by side. So whether it's the bump on the head or something tragic that has happened to her, I'm not staring her down. She and I are shoulder to shoulder, Mm -hmm. and we're looking at this and saying, okay, we've got a problem. How can we fix it? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I love you better? That's the kind of stuff that now Missy's 46 and Julie's 43 five, as you said, five grandchildren between them age, uh, ages 14 to 21, my, my job is not to be a perfect dad. I'm a loser there. <laughs> my dad, my job is to be a transparent dad. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the sequel to She Calls Me Daddy is She Still Calls Me Daddy. Yeah. So for the dads out there who've walked the aisle and given their daughter away, and there's a reason for that expression, given their daughter away, that relationship has to change. So all these things, it sounds complex. My, my task in writing a book, Ryan, is that this becomes really understandable. If, if I'm not communicating clearly, if I'm not giving examples, and, you know, it's very easy to write like that because that's the way Jesus taught. How many times in the, in the Gospels do you read Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is like... Yeah. So what you do is you give a principle and then you tell a story. Your daddy, who's, as you know, one of my closest friends on yeah. earth, always, always illustrates his points with a story. He always told me, he goes, don't make a point. What, that's what we do. He says, Ryan, don't make a point. Points are boring. Tell a story that makes yeah. a point. <laughs> People remember stories. And I go, oh, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, he used to call those list books. Remember that? Oh, yeah. He still does. He hates them. I don't them. read list books. Nope. Doesn't want a list book. Yeah. That's right, exactly. So 
you know, my, my job in writing a book and, and as I, she calls me daddy was my first mm-hmm. and I'm accused of killing a lot of trees. Cause I think I'm up to 23 or 24. I've lost count, but my job in writing a book is to pour a cup of coffee or something cold, sit down with my, my friend, the reader mm-hmm. back in a corner booth somewhere at a Starbucks, open my heart and say, I'd love to just chat with you about this. My finger's not pointed at him. There's no microphone turned on. It's just the reader and me. So if you read a book of mine, I'm always referring to the reader mm-hmm. in the second person. You did this, and I'm doing this, and let's do this together. It's never all of you or most of you. It's just one guy listening and, and reading, and I love that part of it. Me too. I like it a lot. And it helps because we're, it's an intimate thing. It's, it's rare that you read out yeah. loud to a group. It's most of the time when you read, it's by yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, I read to my yeah. kids, you do that on the ra- but no, that's you the do exception. That on the radio, right? Yeah. I, 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 lo- I love that. That's the way you do on radio. I've heard you a thousand times radio mm-hmm. and people don't listen in groups. They're in no, the car by weird. themselves. Yeah. They got, they got their, their ear, ear pods in and they're listening by themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's the way you communicate it. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, talk about expressing affection with your, with your daughters. Um, and then I think it's easier for dads in the younger years. You know, Lucy for me is five, you know, heading on six. It's so yeah. easy for me to express affection to her. You know, I mean, my kids run around the house naked. It's no big deal. And they jump in bed and we snuggle <laughs> all the time. And it's really easy yeah. now. I think, right. uh, one, let's talk a little bit about young affection. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think oftentimes for dads, it gets awkward around puberty. When girls' bodies start changing, when mm-hmm. they start looking at boys sure. and boys are looking at them, sure. oftentimes dads pull away which I think is a mistake, but talk about why oh. affection throughout the ages is important. Oh man. Well, um, Adam and Eve, let's go way back to the beginning. Yeah. God said, God, God said to, uh, Adam, you can't eat that fruit. That was the instruction. Mm-hmm. When Eve is being tempted by the serpent, she says to him, God said that we're not supposed to eat the fruit or touch it. Yeah. Didn't, this, didn't never, Satan God say that? Said he that said, uh, was it Eve or Satan that said, God. you can't even touch it? No. Eve, Eve says. Yeah. God says. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing this from memory, but uh-huh. I think that's right. Because for a woman, there's nothing more powerful than a touch. Mm. Words aren't as powerful as a touch. If you say to Laura... From across the room, I love you. Or if you say to Laura while you're holding her hand, I love you. Those are two very different experiences. Oh yeah. So from the time mm. from the time your daughter is young, very young, touch her, baby, hold her. You know, daddies sometimes are um, they're they're resistant to, to hold their baby, and I would say get over it. Hold your baby, touch your baby. And, you know, you talked about your children running around, and this makes me laugh, because I can imagine in the Dobson household with children running around naked. It makes, it's hilarious. Uh, I bathed the girls, because leaning over the tub yeah. was a challenge for Bobby. And so I bathed them, and I loved it. You know, and, and when we let the water out of, the, out of the tub, we'd slide around so there was no, you know, no ring around the tub. Right? Yep. Well, I knew that was over. The moment I detected a sense of shame, 
Mm. And I stopped. I stopped in that moment. Uh, because suddenly Missy and Julie were aware that I was a boy and they were a girl and were constructed differently. And they weren't sure that their daddy ought to be telling them down after after their bath. So when I the moment and Bobby helped me so much with this. But when when I detected that they were aware and were uncomfortable at all, I stopped. I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine forcing yourself as a dad? And tragically, tragically, this does happen where dads abuse their daughters. So shame, no more of that stuff. Yeah. But. But don't don't stop touching. Now, what that means is you walk across the street, you hold your daughter's hand. You walk down, you know, the, the hallway, the, the aisle at Target, you hold your daughter's hand. In fact, we have a special way of holding hands, and you'll love this. I was with my daughters yesterday at a conference in Indianapolis where my wife Nancy was teaching. Mm. And we were walking through the convention center. And I took my daughter's hand. She's 43. She has two teenage teenage daughters. And we hold our hand exactly the same way that we did when she was two. And just ask her if that means anything to her. It means safety, security. My daddy still loves me. He's not the go-to guy. I've got a husband for that part. But my dad loves me. And he demonstrates this by touching my hand. Now, again... If, if a dad, and boy, you got you got to really be honest with your own feelings about this, but if, da- if a dad is in any way, shape, matter, or form stimulated by touching his daughter, he needs to get help immediately. Totally. Immediately. Yeah. And so, so Robert, have you found that when you wrote that. the book, do you have guys what? that have written you and said, hey, something's going on, I think it's weird, and it's, you know... Yeah, it, the, you know, the book Sadly, it's probably more ago. normal than you want it to be. That's the sad part. Oh, clearly. Oh, yeah. The problem comes in stuff like this is that when we don't notice it or we're, we're not, you know, our conscience isn't touched by it. Mm. But, yeah, absolutely. And most guys who have this problem don't talk about it. Well, of course. I mean, you so never want to talk. So yeah, you're going to be a pariah right, instantly. Right. And yet you need to get help for sure. Absolutely. Oh, before it's too late. Oh, please. Yes, absolutely. But let's just let's agree, you and me, that this is the vast minority of daddies out there. Sure. And so even though even though you and I need to make reference to this, I, I embrace the normal. I embrace the the uh, the plurality of dad and daughter relationships, mm-hmm. uh, relationships out there that don't even get close to this kind of stuff. But in both cases, I, I want to address it. If, if it's a problem, get help immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When you're, like you said, when your daughter begins to develop and you have no idea what to do, that's where your wife steps in, right? And you say, so you have the bra conversation. I can't wait to lose get there. You have the bra conversation. In fact, I talked to your dad about this. I did. My oldest daughter, who's now 46, was beginning to develop, and she wanted a bra. And and you you couldn't tell you couldn't see it, but she felt like it. Right. So she said to her mom, "I want to buy a bra." And Bobby talked to me, and I said, "Well, forget it. What a fool! How, what a jerk could I be? If Missy wants a, a bra, she has, she gets a bra. That's her call, yeah, right? Who cares? Not mine. Who do I think I am? <clears throat> but I'll tell you, your wife is your advocate on this one. She's, as you said, you and I never were girls. Yep. 
but your wife was, mm-hmm. is, so let her help you with this. And you'll find there are times when she's the mediator between you and your daughter. Your daughter is going to be more comfortable come to her for certain things. Yeah. And so let, let her come to you, your wife. Don't be defensive. Don't be a jerk. Listen carefully and fix the problem. You know, again, realize that you're a sinful man, mm-hmm. that you need help, and you're, the job for you is to be open and transparent about your need for Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit to help you to negotiate through this stuff. Yeah. And then be a real guy. Be a real guy. I love it. It's such good advice, Robert. It's such good advice. I don't want to I don't want to end without talking about as a dad, how do you rebuild a broken relationship? And here's the truth. It, well, I don't know. I was going to say I, it has so much more to do with my behavior than Lucy's. I just know it does. I'm a sinner. I've sinned yeah, my right. whole life. I've blown it with my parents yeah, a million right. times. And yeah. in that instance, they have all the power in the world. And I know that yeah. I do, and I just don't want to blow it when she does, because she will. She's not yeah. perfect. And I know my tendency yeah. will be to blow it in that instance, and I just need help. Yeah, and here's what I would say. I'd take you to Luke chapter 15. Mm. Forgive her when she doesn't deserve it. Forgive her when she doesn't deserve it. The father, the waiting father, really... The story is not the prodigal son. The story is the waiting father oh. who forgave his son before he came running home. And, and my position with my children, before they ever catch themselves doing something wrong or before they ever come to me, is my position with them is to always forgive them, to always issue grace, to not demand that they pay some kind of recompense for what they've done wrong. The, the image is the waiting father. You know, put your, put your hand on your forehead like, like you're looking out over a mountain, right? Yeah. And, and you're, scan, you're scanning the horizon. That's the picture that Luke 15 paints of God the Father, who stands there and he's looking down the lane and he's saying, I know he's going to come back any minute. I just know he's on his way back. Yep. I forgive him, I forgive him. So the you know, the boy had come up with this great speech. Totally. And his dad, what his dad, his dad didn't even let him speak it. He embraced him, put a ring on his finger and a robe on him and threw a party. Yep. So that's my position with my daughter is to always forgive. Always forgive. Now, some dads out there who are fixers are going to say, yeah, but she did some really bad things. Absolutely. But guess what? You got to start with a position of I forgive you. There's nothing that you could ever, ever do that would break this relationship that I have with you. My love for you is unconditional. Now let's talk. Oh, Robert, I'm having a hard time not crying on that one. It's so important, uh, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. For You know, it's, it's interesting. There are some children who are afraid of their fathers. Yeah. Now, of course, the scripture talks about fearing God, which is 100% respect, right? You respect God. You fear him. But for a daughter, she, even though she desperately respects her father, she should never hide from him. No. I agree. Which means, guess what? His position is always, I forgive you. Yeah. Because once she begins to hide, in fact, this is so, this is so fun to recall, because... 
when the girls were little, we had this rule. If you tell the truth the first time, there will be no punishment. I think sometimes dads overreact to such a degree that it scares their daughters, their children, away from telling them the truth. Oh, totally. So the rule, the rule was there may be consequences. You know, if you, have, if you break a window, you have to fix it. Yeah. You have to pay to get it fixed. But if you, if you have some, if I say to you, did you do so-and-so or were you so-and-so or whatever, your job, very first thing, is to tell the truth. In yeah. fact, again, at 46 and 43, if you were to ask the girls, what did your daddy say when he asked you, when do you tell the truth? They would say the first time. Mm -hmm. And we said that a thousand times to each other. I love it. Why would I want to put myself in a position as a father to, to make my children afraid of telling the truth? Yeah. So I mean, that, that's it. That's, and there are so many things you and I could talk for three well, hours. Robert, here, but. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've, I've talked about it on the live videos. I don't think I've done it on the broadcast yet. But what you're saying, uh -huh. I think, is so important because in Western parenting, and I think especially Christian Western parenting, we try to punish children so that they never do whatever it is they did ever again. Like if Missy or Julie lied <laughs> yeah. at five or six, right. typical right. Christian parenting is punished so severely they never lie again. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I don't think, I don't see Christ doing that to me. You know, if I get pulled over for doing 60 and a 55, the cop doesn't go, you're going to jail. And I go, what? And he right. goes, you're never going to speed yeah, right. again. Or if I'm 20 minutes enough. late to yeah. work and, and my boss yeah. fires yeah. me. Yeah. But we do that in punishment. Yeah. Here's, so how yeah, do you teach right. a kid well, again, that what you did was wrong and we shouldn't do that again and yet not come down so hard? Where you, it's, What you said, my goodness, it's so perfect. You scare a child away from the truth. Yeah. Okay. So here's, and that's so good. Just, and there, again, we could go on and on. The scripture talks about God's love constraining us. What an interesting thing. Mm. It's not his threats. It's not his severe punishment that awaits us, that constrains us and helps us to guard our content, mm -hmm. conduct. It's his love that constrains us. Mm. Philippians 2.13, God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him, and then helping you do what he wants. So as a father, my I want my love for my daughter openly expressed to constrain her from being disobedient. I don't want her being obedient because she's afraid I'm going to lick her if she doesn't. Right. I want her to obey me because she doesn't want to disappoint me because she knows how much I love her. There's it. nothing more powerful than that. There's not. There's not. There's nothing more powerful than that, Robert. There's no, You know what? Here's the yeah. truth. This is a great program. It's just too short. So please, yeah. <laughs> please, let's come back and talk about this again. It's just too good. 30 minutes is too quick. So will you come back again sometime? Uh, I will. I love you, Ryan. I love you like a son. Robert, I know, love you so much. You know, I love you. This is Thank you. It's such a great conversation. It's so great to remember these things, yeah. and I appreciate you coming on today. Good. 
Thank you. My so pleasure. Much. Love Gamora. Please hope she feels better. Thank you so much. We are out of time for today, Rebels, but my goodness, there's so much wisdom, so much grace, so much love. I'm, I just, I knew this would be an amazing program. I knew it. When I started telling my friends we were going to have Robert on, they just were so excited. I have known him for so long. I can attest to his truthfulness, to his character, to, uh, the, I know his daughters. I know this stuff works, and it's working in my household. It is so fantastic to have this great of a resource on. It is in the top five broadcasts of the year in our resource. Dr. Robert Wolgamuth, she calls me daddy. I am just so happy to have him on the broadcast. Once again, sign up for the newsletter by going to rebelparenting.org. Find out all the amazing things God has been doing in this past year on our one-year anniversary. Today, November 4th, our one-year anniversary. So much has happened. So much is going to happen. And it's all because of you. It's because you have supported us over this past year in our brand-new early stage and we appreciate it so much. You can support the ministry. It is tax de- uh, deductible by going to rebelparenting.org, clicking on the Donate tab. We love you guys so much. God bless. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.